0: Good evening, high school. Oh, wow, that is a first zero answer. Let's try that again. Good evening, high school. I love it. I love it. Hey, excited that you guys are here tonight. Sorry, right, we can have some. We can have a quiet night. That's okay. Um, it's raining outside. It's cool weather. Luckily, I brought some tasty hot chocolate. Ah, I tricked you guys. There's nothing in the mug. Um, man, I'm excited to be sharing with you guys. My name is Daniel. Everyone calls me Stallion. I'm so, for real, pumped to, to be with you guys to share um, in this message this evening. Um, before we go any further, man, I saw some new faces out there tonight. I just want to say I'm so excited whether you're new for the first time or you've been back after a long time. I'm just We are so happy that you're here. We believe that this is a place where, where you can belong. Uh, we believe this is a place where you can find people who will be kind to you and accepting to you and, and almost like a family. And so um, if you're here tonight, you guys know I'm Italian. I like family stuff. and um, So you're family to me. So thank you for being here. Um, last week we kicked things off in our series about Jesus, and we said Jesus is, and, and James did an excellent job starting things and shared with us and said to us that that Jesus made a claim way back when that he is God. That's a pretty bold claim. That's a pretty bold statement. The crazy thing is that when Jesus says this uh, throughout Scripture, he's not usually like, I am God. He actually is a little more subtle. The way he says it is kind of this like roundabout way, which I love. Because I love whenever someone can, can say something without actually having to say it. You know what I mean? Like when you can like hint at it or you can and so he's like talking with these these guys, these religious leaders, and and, and James shared the story. They they came through the roof and, and he's like wants to heal the guy. And he's like, well, first he sees him and he says, Your sins are forgiven. And in their hearts, the religious leaders are like, whoa, 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 wait, hey, time out. The only person who can forgive sins is God. And so Jesus says, Well. What's easier, to forgive his sins or to tell him to get up and walk? And he goes, to prove to you that I can forgive sins, get up and walk. And therefore, he was saying he was God. He's making a claim like that. It was kind of like covert. It was like under the radar. But I love that. And if we believe that, then what we believe about the Bible is, is actual. What Jesus says is super important. And that's what we're looking at tonight. And so tonight, because of the fact that Jesus is God, then the claims that he makes we believe are true. And so tonight we're talking about truth. And we're talking about Jesus being truth. And so we're going to define this a little bit. We're going to explain this. We're going to understand. We're going to unpack all of this. Um, and I'm going to try to make it as interesting as possible. But to understand truth, we have to understand the opposite of truth, which is... Who said that? It was correct. Lies. Whoa. Hello, hello, hello. We're experiencing some power outages. Hey, actually, let me just say this. True story. That's not the microphone. Hey, true story... Yesterday, yesterday at my house, uh, my neighbor, my neighbor was cutting down a tree and some of the tree limbs were like on, on uh, the power line. And so this dude is out in like a little bucket lift and he's cutting the tree limbs and he actually cut a piece of power line. And the, the, the power in my house started to like, sp- like not spark, but it started to like spike and go up and down. And we lost power for a little bit at my house. And what actually happened was my, my washing machine not working. And so I'm like, super bummer. I actually saw all the lights were going to explode. It was like this like um, Stranger Things moment where things started like flicker and flash. I'm like turning lights off and like getting freaked out. Luckily, it was during the day, and I hadn't watched any scary movies, so it was all right. But we'll continue without this until they come back on. But I want to tell you guys... Hey, mic check. There we go. Let's give a round of applause to those guys in the back. You guys are awesome. I actually I actually don't know how to do Rubik's Cubes. But I want to tell you a story about a Rubik's Cube. When I was about eight years old, we went to my great-grandfather's house, and he had this, like, bin of toys. And I felt like they were, like, old-school toys. And we went to my great-grandfather, and I asked him if I could keep the Rubik's Cube. Of course, my dad was like, no, don't ask. You're not to ask. I was like, Dad, come on. It's awesome. And so my great-grandfather was like, like, surely. I don't even care. Um, and he had the old-school Rubik's Cube, the traditional one. I couldn't find one for tonight. But the old-school one is a little bit different than this. It was a three-by-three. Three. You guys know that? Like, the old-school Rubik's Cube has, like, three, three, three. And the goal of the Rubik's Cube, of course, is to, to move it in a certain way, in a certain pattern, and, and get all the same color on one face of the Rubik's Cube. And I was super excited because my great-grandfather let me keep this. And I was in America, and I went over to Italy. So I had, like, time, like, driving from Ohio to New York, and then on the plane from New York to Italy. And I thought, like, man, for sure I'm going to figure this out. For sure I'm going to solve this. And I remember, like, trying and trying and trying and trying, twist, turn, up and down. And no matter what way I looked at it, I could never get it solved. And then one day I was in my room, and I was looking at it, and I was looking at it, and I was getting frustrated. I was about ready to throw it at the wall. And then I noticed, wait a second. The, the color that is on here is held on by little stickers. <laughs> and so I had this beautiful light bulb moment in my head where I thought to myself, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So I peeled off a sticker, and I peeled off another sticker, and I swapped them. Now, I thought to myself, I'm just going to do it with one. Okay, like two, okay, like realistically. I'm just going to do it like once or twice. We're like, okay, no more than ten times. And I kept going to the point where like, I would go a little bit, and then I would get like, ah, I don't know, let's so start peel the sticker off. And I would start going another little bit, and ah, I don't know, so I'll peel another one. Well, in doing this over the course of a period of time of a couple of days, it got to the point where my dad noticed. He picked it up one time, and he was looking. And I don't know if you know this. I'm like not smart like this. This is why I didn't notice. I had accidentally removed the middle color of, of one of them. And, and the way a Rubik's Cube works is it's only six colors. The middle pieces on a three-by-three Rubik's Cube never change. So no matter what you do, no matter what way you turn it, no matter what way you play with it, the middle colors can never move. And so as my dad was looking, he noticed there was a middle red on one side, a middle red on the other side, and he realized that someone had taken this apart. Now, the Rubik's Cube lived in my room with my brother and I. We would take turns playing with it. And so my dad pulled my brother and myself aside he said, guys, someone pull the stickers off the Rubik's Cube, it's of course, being, like, super sly, I was like, oh, yeah, really? Well, let me see. Let me, let me take a look, man. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And he said, I said, well, how, how do you know? And He goes, well, you see, the way there's a red here and a red there, there, there can't be. And he explained to me the issue with the center. And then he put the Rubik's Cube down. And he looked my brother, myself in the eyes. He said, guys, did one of you change or peel the stickers off this Rubik's Cube? That's like any good 13-year-old boy. I looked him in the eyes. I said, wasn't me. <laughs> Must have been my brother. And I lied to him. I lied to him that moment. And I don't know why. I don't know what it was, if it was just kind of a a period where, like, lying was a big deal in our house. I don't know if it was because the Rubik's Cube was sentimental to my dad because we got it from my grandpa. I don't know if he was just, like, stressed out that day. But but it was a big deal to him. He got kind of upset. He said, well, well," he goes, well, someone did it. And someone is lying about this. He goes, I want to get to the bottom of it. And, man, I, I don't know what it was, but I remember thinking to myself, if I tell the truth, I'm going to be in so much trouble, I need to keep lying. So he asked a second time and a third time. And eventually, I'll never forget this, because he gave us this punishment. He said, listen, until I find out who removed the stickers on this Rubik's Cube, either you or your brother, I know it's one of you two, and I'm thinking, like, I have a sister, but somehow she didn't get in trouble. And I'm thinking, like, I have a little younger brother who's, like, six years younger than me. He was, like, a baby, but no, it couldn't have been him. He said, until one of you two confesses, you can't play video games. I was like, oh. We had just gotten this new game. It was a computer video game. It wasn't anything like, it was like super random. I don't even know, but it was an amazing game. And I remember this lie continued and perpetuated over time to the point where I remember like we would sit and watch my sister play video games. And we would tell her what to do. And of course, she was like, not, not, not very good because she was my sister. I, I just thought I could do it better. I was like, no, go left. No, right. Other right. Um, and we would sit and watch her. But we continued in this lie. I remember for months and months where I kept telling my parents, "No, it wasn't me. It wasn't true." And it's interesting because lie sometimes is so convenient. It's so easy. It's so simple to go to because the truth sometimes can be not hard, but 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 a big pill to swallow, a big serious thing. And so tonight I want to answer this question for us as we look at the claim of Jesus's truth. We need to answer the question: Well, what is truth? Like, like, if you were to, to explain it to someone, if you were to define it to someone, and whenever we get to, like, its basic meaning, whenever we get back to its, its basics of, of truth, I'd like to see, whenever we talk about this kind of stuff, what the dictionary has to say, because it helps me understand this, and it says that truth is a verified or an indisputable fact. Truth is a verified or an indisputable fact. You see, truth cannot be opinion, it has to be t- true. It has to be fact. It has to be indisputable, meaning that, that, that you can't have your opinion and my opinion. There has to be one opinion, one opinion that's right and one opinion that's wrong. So I think to myself, for instance, like, like we, we talk about gravity, okay? So gravity, and people always say, well, it's just a theory. But, but it's not just a theory. It's, it's true. There is gravity at play in our world. If I were to step off the stage right now, I would fall and plummet to my death. <laughs> not really. But if I were to step off of here right now and put all my weight down, I would fall. I'd break a leg, not in like the good, break a leg. If I were to step off of this stage, even if I didn't believe there was gravity, if gravity is true, it would be an effect. It would come into play. And you see, it doesn't have to do with what I believe. It, it, it's there. It's true. It's, it's indisputable. I can't deny it. Even if you said, no, stay out, You're good, man. You can fly. I would take a step and prove, no, it's not true. You see, truth is something that is 100% real, it's indisputable, and the interesting thing is that the quest for truth is something that's been happening for a long, long time. You see, for years people have been talking about this, and they talked about it during Jesus' time as well. We're not going to read the whole story, but if you want to write this down, John 18, verse 28 through 38, there's a story where Jesus finds himself talking to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the Roman ruler at the time, and this has to do, this is the part of the story where we find ourselves with Jesus, is about the time right before his death. You see, as, as Jesus is confronted with the religious rulers, as he's making claims to say stuff like, uh, I am God, and again, he doesn't always say it like in, a, in a, an outspoken way, he kind of goes in a roundabout way, but as he makes these claims, the religious rulers get so upset and so angry with him that they actually desire to kill him. There's a small problem. That is that the Jewish people are living in a Roman territory, and so they can't just kill Jesus. So you guys probably remember the story. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the middle of the night. They come and they get him. They create this, this like bogus reason, and they start to make these claims. They get people to lie. And they take Jesus, and they drag him. And the reason they do it at night is because no one's around. They take him to a trial in the middle of the night. Like, no one's coming out for that because people would have defended him. And so they get to the point where they realize they want to kill him. They can't legally kill him, so they bring him To Pilate. And they bring him in front of Pilate, and Pilate immediately is just kind of like a little bit perplexed, and he says to them, as they bring him out there, he says, What accusation do you bring against this man? And then they say to him, If this man were not doing evil, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. So they say to Pilate, We want you to question Jesus. And Pilate has this interesting conversation with Jesus. He goes back and forth, back and forth. You guys know the outcome. Eventually, he washes his hands and he he hands them back to him. But as he's talking with Jesus, Jesus says this this interesting line for him. He says, this is the purpose for which I was born, the purpose for which I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He says, the whole reason I'm here, the whole reason I'm on earth, the whole reason I'm Jesus is to bear witness, is to show people, to point people the truth. And Pilate has a super interesting question. He says, what is truth. And this is all the way back in Jesus' time. that They're questioning. They're asking these things. They're trying to figure out. They're trying to wrestle with this. What is truth? Now, we say that it's something that's undisputable. We said it's something that, that you can't argue against. But the truth is, pun intended, the truth is that to find out what is true can sometimes be difficult. You see, we live in an era of fake news, we live in a time where it's so easy to say whatever. Like you think of uh, articles or like clickbait or, 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 or really fake news. And, and we have all these conversations and, and opinions and thoughts about what is true and what isn't true. Let's do this for instance. I found these, these news headlines. I want to read them for you. Sometimes discerning what's true and what's a lie can be super easy. Sometimes not as much. For instance, do you know they just revealed the PlayStation 5? And they said they added a fully functioning breakfast sandwich maker on it. True or false? It would be awesome, but it's false. Okay, what about this? Uh, this is a headline from a website. Bear breaks into a car and drives down a hill in Colorado. It actually is true. You know those, uh, those mazes where they, they put cheese in the middle and they let the mice like, roam around and see where like, they do tests and see which mice can get to the middle? You know those, those tests? Well, they actually made a life-size maze that put cheese in the middle for humans, for human testing and human trials. True or false? False. Uh, The CEO of Boeing, the airline company, admits that the company made a mistake by including automatic self-destruct functions on all 737 planes. Who said true? Oh, jacked up. I would not be flying. That is false. Uh, Family made funeral arrangements for a relative. And then they were shocked when that relative showed up at the barbecue. It was true. Somehow they made a mistake. I guess it was more than one John Smith somewhere. Um, Gillette razors recalled their razors because they were too sharp. It's actually true. Um, There was a heat wave in California, and all the mussels, you know mussels, like little black-looking clams? uh, All the mussels actually cooked in their shell on the beach. It's true. I don't know when it happened, but but it was a true thing. You see, sometimes it's hard to identify the truth and what's false. Sometimes it's hard to navigate and understand what is true and what is not true. And we said last week that Jesus makes a claim that that, that he himself is God. And the beauty about that claim is that we we sometimes think of God as, as this angry God who's sitting there waiting for us to make a mistake. But the truth is... That God is, is, is in desire to have a relationship with us. I mean, James did an awesome job as he was talking about Spongebob in SpongeBob and, and the clip and, and coming to get the chocolate. He said, Jesus is chasing after us. Jesus desires a relationship with us. And if Jesus is God, God desires a relationship with you. Man, he wants to get to know you. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants to be in relationship with you. And, and if we believe that, if we believe that Jesus is God, then we believe his claims to be true. We believe that what he says is accurate. And sometimes it's hard to identify what's true and what's not true. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a lie and and, and a true statement. I think one of the things that that also comes into play that makes it difficult is that nowadays we we have this idea of thinking that some things, that that, that there's not an absolute truth. In fact, sometimes we we talk about this, that the, the technical term is relative truth versus absolute truth. Now, you might not have heard of it like this, but you might have heard of it in this sense when someone says something about my truth, or that is true for you, or that's, that, that's true, uh, that, that's your experience, that's my reality. You see, this is super popular today. We don't want to offend other people, we don't want to get into arguments with other people. And so someone says something, there's a disagreement, and we say, well, that's just your truth. Or someone says, well, well this is my reality, this is my truth, this is my experience. And suddenly we start to th- think and, and, and see the possibility of, well, then that's true, and that's true, and what you think is true, and what I think is true. But, but we say that the truth is something that's indisputable. You can't fight against it. There's only one right way. And if we believe that Jesus is God, that his claims are therefore true, then we have to understand that what he is saying is truth. And so when Jesus has this conversation with Pilate, and he says, the reason I'm here is to represent the truth, the reason I'm here is to represent God, P.S., I am God, then we understand that what Jesus says, that, that his word, that the Bible, becomes a source that gives us truth. It becomes a source that, that, that gives us what we believe. It becomes a source that we can trust. And it's not just like any other book. It's God's word. It's his, it's his word spoken to us, given to us, and therefore, we can believe what the pages say. You see, too often we, we tend to think, well, I believe Jesus and, and some of these stories, but, but not all of it. I believe Jesus loves me, but, but, but God sometimes seems to be like a little weird, and a little angry. And I don't get the whole Holy Spirit thing. But it's a full picture. And if we understand that Jesus is true, then we understand that his word is true as well. And so Jesus makes these claims, and we're in John. And I want us to move back to John chapter 14, just a couple of pages before. Because in John chapter 14, as, as Jesus is speaking to the crowds and speaking to his disciples, he starts to make some other claims. And these are the kind of claims that, that got him in trouble. In, in John 14, looking at verses 1 through 7, he, he says this. This is, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Let not your hearts be, trouble, be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Again, he's saying that he is God. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If, we're not, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that there where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to, the, the way, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, verse 6, Verse six. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you, had known, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. You see, as Jesus' time on earth starts to wrap up, he's trying to clue the disciples in. He's trying to let them know about what's to come. He says, I'm telling you that I'm going to prepare a place. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to get ready for, for the second coming. I'm going to, to get ready for my arrival. What, what I've been talking about from day one, about having to die on the cross, is going to happen. And I'm going to get ready for that. And he says to them, and you know the way to get there. And Thomas, I love Thomas, he's like, he's like dude, I, I, the way to get there, he like, I don't even know where you're going. How could I know the way? I don't got no GPS, We don't have ways. Like, How am I going to get there? And Jesus says, you do know because you know me. And he makes this claim, he says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is a really bold claim. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You see, it's bold because nowadays when we talk to people, and again, people say, well, this is my truth. Well, here's what I believe. You can believe your stuff, but believe me alone with what I believe. People believe that there are many ways to reach God. People believe that there are many ways to get to him. Man, for years, people have been studying and been researching and think, man, if I, if I, if I learn, if I, if I know enough, then I can reach God. People think that their behavior is super important. Man, as long as I'm not as bad as the worst person. We talked about bears <laughs> driving the car down the hill. People always say, you don't have to be faster than a bear. You just have to be faster than the slowest person. And we think sometimes that it works with our behavior. As long as I'm not bad as that person, then I'm going to get to Jesus. As long as I'm not a murderer then Jesus is going to say, man, you're, you're awesome, come into heaven. As long as I'm not, we think our behavior determines that. Or Sometimes we think that every other religion just has a different name for God. We think that every other pathway is the same. And we think that as long as we do this or say that or find ourselves there, that, that all these things will be good for us. But Jesus says, no, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He makes his claim. Jesus is truth. He says it. He declares it, and he's God. And when he says it, this is the kind of stuff that gets him in trouble. These are the kind of statements that got him before this angry mob. These are the kind of things that that, that took him in front of all these people and made them mad at him because he was being exclusive in his claims. He said, It's not true that whatever you think and you think and you think and you think it can all be true. He said, There's one truth. There's one path. There's one way. He goes, And I'm it. It's exclusive. And that made people angry. That got people upset. That's why these religious leaders got him and brought him in front of Pilate in the first place. Jesus steps forward and he says, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. The beautiful thing, though, is that he makes himself accessible. The beautiful thing is he is the only way, but it's accessible. It's a pathway that's open to anyone. He says it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of conversations you have. It doesn't matter what kind of stuff you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with now. He says no matter what, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. and Anyone can come to the Father through me. It's open to anyone. And the beauty of this, if we believe his truth, if we believe his claims, that Jesus continues to speak and continues to say stuff. You see, in chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus also makes this other claim. He says, If you abide in me and in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, if we know the truth, the truth will set you free. If we know Jesus, he will set us free. If we have a relationship with him, it will set us free. If you know the truth, it will set you free. I told you guys about the lie that I told my parents. And again, I don't, I don't remember how long it went on exactly. I do remember it was over a course of a lot of time. It was over a course of months. It wasn't like, a, hey, I lied today, confess tomorrow. Because I remember this punishment that we had that we weren't allowed to play video games was a big deal for me. I remember that it was a big deal because we wanted to play games. We, we wanted to have fun. We wanted to get on our family computer and, and do these things. And I remember that it was longer than just like a, a quick lie because my parents sat me down. And they said, listen, just so you know, they said, next month is Christmas. And we don't want to spoil this for you, but, but we want to get some video games for Christmas for you and your siblings. They said, we want you to be able to play so they asked me one more time. They said, they said Daniel, they didn't call me Stanton back then. They said, Daniel, did you lie about the Rubik's Cube? And I remember sitting there on the bed, like this big lump in my throat. I felt like this, this, this pit in my stomach. I said, Yes, and I'm sorry. But in that moment, a lie that had built up over time and time and time, in that moment, as I shared with them, in that moment, as I confessed, I remember feeling this this huge weight lifted. My parents still loved me. They still cared about me. They were still going to give me video games for Christmas. They still, I still was their son. And even what felt to me like the worst lie ever was still something that was, that was giving me freedom when I confessed it to them. But you see, the other part of this, not just that we receive freedom through confession, but the other part of this is the fact that, that Satan is known in Scripture as the father of lies. You see, Jesus says that he was a murderer from the beginning, speaking of Satan. He doesn't stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. This is when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is the liar and the father of lies. You see, sometimes it's hard to identify the truth and a lie because sometimes they, they, they look so closely together. They look so much like the same. They, they almost look in line. The truth can be almost the same, but the lie deviates. And you see, for students and for adults, for all of us, Satan's biggest attack, his biggest weapon is to lie. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But if we can have an honesty moment, you don't have to raise your hand or say anything, but think about this for a second. You see, a lot of times we find ourselves feeling possibly alone. Sometimes we feel like no one cares about us, about what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we feel like we've we've messed up so bad, we've lied so much that, that nobody could forgive us. Sometimes we feel like if people knew what we really do when no one's looking, or how we really act in school versus at home, if people really knew the real us, that they wouldn't be able to love us. And that's Satan whispering lies into our ears. He's the one that's saying those things. And I know that because God's word, which is truth, says the opposite. You see, God's word says that before the foundation of the world, before anything started, he knew who you were going to be. He wanted you. His word says that that. That you are worthy of the death of his son, Jesus. So when you hear this lie, man, you're, you're worthless. You can think, no, Jesus died for me. I'm talking about worth. I'm worth someone else's life. Paid for me. When We think that nobody cares and nobody loves us. We can turn to God's word and say, wait a second, time out, pause. Scripture says that we are a family. That, that, that when we walk into a relationship with God, that we have entered into the family of Christ that we're fully his and fully adopted and fully loved and fully known to the point where we're even co-heirs with his inheritance. We're a full-fledged family member when we walk into a relationship with God. You see, whatever lie we believe, whatever thing that we think, and I don't know if it's like when we're all alone in our bed at night. I don't know if it's after we've sinned. or Maybe it's when we get into a fight with someone. But whenever it is, whatever it is that we think and believe, whatever lie it is, the truth is that Jesus' word says something different. And the way that we can fight that, the way that we can disprove the lie, the way that we can be certain of the truth is to go to Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the source of truth. So I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes. And I want you to think for a second. Maybe you've already been... Maybe it's kind of been like stern in your mind for a while. But what is the lie that you believe? Maybe what are the the lies? Maybe there's multiple lies that you believe. What are the things that you think? What are the ways in which Satan is trying to distract you, to take you away from God's truth? What is he whispering in your ear? When it's late at night and you're in bed, when you've just sinned, you've had a hard conversation with someone, or you don't feel worthy, you don't feel loved, you don't feel accepted. In those moments, what is Satan saying? What does God's word say instead? What is God asking of you? What is he saying to you? How is he speaking truth into your situation? Not opinion. This isn't something I came up with tonight. It's not something I just rolled up and said, let me just say these things. What does God's word say to your situation? What is his truth speaking to you? Lord Jesus, thank you for this group. Thank you for the amazing students that we have, the people in this room. Father, thank you for your truth, your scriptures. And Father, thank you that when we feel worthless, that we feel like no one cares, that we feel like no one is watching, when we feel like we're undeserving, when we feel defeated, when we feel unloved, when we feel unforgivable, whatever we feel, Father, thank you that in those moments when Satan comes and seeks to lie to us, to speak dishonestly, to whisper in our ears all of these these hateful things, Father, thank you that in those moments you have given us your word that speaks truth over each and every one of us. Father, thank you that in those moments you have given us something to fight the enemy, Father, thank you because in those moments we have the truth and we can cling to it like a rock during a storm. Father, whatever it is that we're believing, whatever lie it is, as we come before you tonight, Father, help us to confess that. So to be honest with you say, Lord, here's where I'm scared. Here's what I think. Here's what, what creeps in. Here's what I believe. And let's let your truth, undisputable, verifiable truth, speak life into our situation. So, Father, whatever it is, big, small, horrible, whatever lie it is, Father, would you help us replace it with the truth of your word, the truth of Scripture. And we ask these things, Jesus, in your holy name.